Uh, I'm excited this morning to introduce to you a friend of mine who's going to be sharing the message this morning. Dr. Paul Day is here with us from the Oak Gardens uh, Church in Dallas, and uh, it was 10 years ago. They just celebrated their anniversary that uh, Paul and his family started on this journey with, with many others I know. Uh, to plant a church in Dallas, uh, and, and God has really blessed that effort. And it's over the last couple of years through one of the members of our church that I got to know Paul and got to know his church. In fact, our staffs have gotten together a couple of times over the last two years, and we've shared lunch uh, on, on several occasions, and I, I'm greatly blessed by our relationship and was looking forward to getting to share him with you this morning. So uh, I'm excited to take notes and to be in the Word this morning, and so I want to encourage you to do the same, that you would listen with attention for whatever it is that God may uh, share through Paul that might shift and change and free you uh, to do in the coming week and in the, the coming year ahead. It's a message that I think is a, an incredible message for the year ahead as we look forward to what God is going to do among us. And so uh, but, uh, I also want to introduce Paul's family to you uh, this morning. His wife, Melanie is here and his mother, Martha, and uh, son, Blake, is here as well. And so we are so blessed to have you all with us. And uh, I got to be at their church a few months ago, and it's time to re- return the favor. And I know you'll be blessed this morning. So, Paul, if you come up on stage, I want to uh, say a word of blessing of prayer over you and then uh, allow you to do, do what God does through you. God, we, uh, we ask this time and this day, God, that you would uh, be present in this room. We trust you already are. It's more our openness, God, that is uh, dependent. And so, God, we open ourselves, our lives, our Bibles again this morning, God, waiting for a word from you. And I pray that you'd pour through Paul the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts and we might leave more free people than we came. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. It's a blessing to be here today. We thank God for his grace and mercy to allow us to be in the booming metropolis of Allen, Texas, and to thank God for his gift and grace on this Lord's Day. It is an awesome pleasure to be at church It's even a greater pleasure to be at church alive, and even to exalt that, it's great to be at church alive and know you at church, and that's all a blessing from our Father which is in heaven. It is an awesome privilege I have to be friends with uh, your wonderful minister uh, who is a great gift to the body of Christ. A brilliant mind, amen, amen. At at our church, I would be very upset if you didn't clap. (laughs) But we thank God for the gift that he is to me and my family and even the Old Gardens Church. As he stated, our staffs have been able to get together over this year and spend some time together in a time when this world is so divided. It was a blessing just to have common ground uh, to be able to break bread together and fellowship one with another. And our relationship is growing in Christ Jesus. And we thank God for that gift. As stated earlier, my family is here, and and they uh, very rarely get to travel with me. And I thank God uh, for them being here. I would not let them ride with me for the first service. Because first of all, we would have been late. And secondly, (laughs) I don't know what I would have preached by the time I got here. But it's just an awesome pleasure to have my beautiful wife, as Brother Packer said, and my mother, who's turning 80 this year. We thank God for her and my son, in whom I'm well pleased. 
Uh, and uh, I hope that that continues on, and I thank God for this grace. Your worship experience is beautiful, and thank God for those three wonderful men of God who blessed us in song. Good to see, I don't want to start calling names, but good to see Todd and his family. Um, I spend time with them with Mission Alive, and I thank God uh, for the relationship I have with them and many others. Okay, so I'm going to hurry up and take my time um, and uh, try to give a word that has been burning in my heart over the last couple of weeks, and I hope it will bless you also. If you don't mind turning with me to the book of Ephesians, uh, the church written by, the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, and I want to uh, just read one verse uh, to you that prayerfully will help us as we study. Just verse number 11, just, just one verse, number 11, and we'll discuss this. The Bible says, reading from the New Living Translation, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. Catch this now. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Just for a second, I want to speak on the subject, God's plan for you, God's plan for you. Recently, I had the beautiful task of traveling to Houston, Texas uh, to speak at a church there. I have been uh, to that church four times uh, in the consecutive years, and I guess they're waiting for me to learn how to preach. But this year, I I was driving down from our home in Waxahachie down to Houston, and I never like like to travel by myself, so I always try to bring companionship with me. So I turned on my GPS system to have somebody to talk to while I was driving. And while driving down the street, she, she and I, we worked together on our travel agenda, and uh, everything was going well at the beginning. We, we talked about traveling 45 south to Houston, and we finally made it to Houston there, and we had to get off on Highway 59. And when we exited Highway 59, the second exit there is Dallas Avenue that sends us uh, to the Embassy Suites where they, the church puts me up every year uh, to speak. I love that place because of their breakfast. But anyway, uh, as we were traveling there, I noticed something changed in her directions. Uh, we made it to 59, and as I was exiting highway, uh, Dallas Avenue, she told me to stay on the highway. And knowing that it had been a long journey, I knew she was tired. I went ahead and took my own advice, and I got off on Dallas Avenue. If you've ever been to Houston, Houston you know that their highways downtown are elevated, and normally you have to exit below you. And when I got off on Dallas Avenue, taking my own route, I found out that there were barricades there blocking me from getting on Dallas Avenue. And it seemed like this time she had an attitude. She said, get back on the highway and get off where I told you the first place. When I got to the hotel, I wanted to know how these global positioning systems work these GPS systems, and I found out that every mile you travel, your car navigates itself to a satellite up in the celestial. And it not only lets us know where we are, but it also lets us know where we're going and what obstacles might be in front of us before we get there. And I think that many of us, I know with my own personal life, Many obstacles I run into is because I never check 
with my spiritual satellite system to see what God has arranged for my life. That's all the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us in Ephesians chapter 1 is that God in his infinite wisdom, God in his power structure has already navigated my life and your life so that he can include good things and bad things so everything would draw me and drive me to Jesus Christ. So Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, first of all, God loved us so much that he had you and I in mind even before he created the world. In verses 3 through 5, he tells us that God, first of all, loved us, God chose us, and God adopted us. Those are three powerful words because in verse number 4, he says, first of all, God loved us, God chose us, but in verse number five, Paul tried to put a, a, a emphasis on God's love towards us by saying he also adopted us. Now, anybody who falls in love can fall out of love. Anybody who chooses someone could choose not to choose them. But when Paul uses the terminology, the Greek word uh, for adopt, he's actually saying the choice that God made for you and I, he never decides not to choose you and I. That means that before I was born, God knew the good things and the bad things that would happen in my life. He knows, he knows how I will act at church, and he knows how I act on Monday. He knows when I'm around Christians, but he also knows what I'm thinking with my private life. He knows my public struggles and he knows my private struggles. And God still chose me. God still loved me. And God still adopted me. Now that's very important because Paul says in this adoption process, you have to understand how God works. In verse number 11, Paul says, he makes everything work out for his good pleasure. Now, I want, I want to spend some time there. God makes everything work out for his good pleasure. So what God did was God arranged my life before I was born, before my mother and my father even started dating. God knew a Paul day, and he put in good stuff and bad stuff to force me to see Jesus. Now, that's hard for us to accept. Because we only look at the good things being from God, but some things that happened in my life that are bad are still for my good. You cannot read verse number 11 without bringing in Romans chapter 8. When it says, for we know all things work out for the good of them who love God. Not all things are good, but they all work out for the good. I was telling the earlier service, one thing that really hurt my life is Back in 2002, in December, my family and I had just gone out to uh, lunch. My father uh, was a preacher at the Cliffview Church of Christ for 32 years, and he was preached that Sunday. We went to lunch that Monday, my wife and I, my mother and, uh, and my father, and he said, I'm not feeling well. And when we got back to the house, my dad said, something's wrong, stood up. And before he was able to sit back down, I called him in my arms. And I started trying to breathe life into him, my only father for 28 years, laying in my arms. That hurt me. That devastated me. I was frustrated with God. But later on, I learned how all things work for the good. Because I had to have that because I didn't know it at the time. 
but I was involved in hero worship. I worship God, I worship my father more than I worship the one who made my father. So what God had to teach me is that sometimes bad things help us to see God. I pray more during the bad. I read the scriptures more during the bad. I, I ask for God's intervention on my life with the bad. And Paul says he mixes all of this up so that we can come to Jesus. During that time, we were building our home in Waxahachie. Two months later, my wife was diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, it was during that ice storm here in Dallas. We could not get to Baylor Hospital. We stayed there trying to pray God, give us strength to make it there. We finally made it there. 85% of her blood was cancerous. God let us stay in the hospital for six months. While there, we finally got to come home, but we didn't have to go back to the apartment we were living in because we were building a house. We went to my mother's home because she didn't want to stay by herself, and I needed someone to take care of my wife while I went to work. Their relationship grew during that process, and I had to step out of that afterward and look back at that and say, for we know all things work out for the good of them that love God. Now, you have to ask yourself, what have you been looking at at your life that you view as bad, but you would not be here today had it not happened? What, what thing have you tried to put in a category in your life that you wanted to omit, but God included it so that you could be included with him? Paul says that we know that all of this works out to please God. Now, I don't know how it works in Allen, but I know in Dallas, God never checks with me to find out, is it a good time for me to have a bad moment? Maybe you guys' email system works a little different. But God, only because there is something that happens to us that we have trouble recognizing. Paul says, since you know you have been called by Christ and Christ chose you and you've heard the gospel, and now you are in the family of God like the songs we just sung, you are now in the family of God. The Bible says, Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit Verse number 11 through 14, he actually puts a seal on you and I, which is a guarantee towards an inheritance. He says that at the end of the text. He says, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You don't want to have to lose your mind because God called you. He chose you. He loved you. So then if he loves me and he chose me, he must have provisions for me, which he puts a seal on me to let everyone know that I am of God. Now, here's the problem. You and I can't see that seal because it's not invisible in the earthly realm. It's only visible in the spiritual realm. That seal is the mark that you are connected to Christ. Do you remember the story of Job? When Job was minding his business, showing up to church, giving sacrifice, doing, trained his children up right, and all of a sudden the devil started messing with Job, and um, uh, there is an inside look of a meeting that goes on in heaven. And God asked Job, uh, asked the devil, where have you been? He said, I've been looking to and fro to see whom I can devour. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah, I've been by his house, but you put a gated fence around him where I can't reach him. He said, go ahead, you can touch everything on him but his life. You remember when Peter was about to deny Christ three times, and Jesus says, 
I know you're going to let me down, but I have already prayed for you. How can you, Jesus, I already prayed for something that hadn't happened? Jesus said, because you were in a meeting where the devil asked to sift you like wheat. I wonder how many times has my name come up in the meeting and I've turned my seal around to let the devil know that I'm not really with God. See, it's easy for us right now in the worship atmosphere to show everyone I am a child of God, but that's not when God needs to be revealed. It's when we are in darkness where our light needs to shine. It's at the job on Monday. It's with the family who are not believers that we need to turn our seal around and let the world know, regardless what's going on with me, I am still sealed by God. That's such a powerful thing because that word seal is actually the Holy Spirit's signature on your life. I was telling the earlier service, I have trouble dressing myself. Uh, I like uh, to buy my clothes at the same place. We uh, sometimes grocery shop. I don't see what's wrong with Walmart's clothes. I mean, the prices are good. You can only wash them once, but my wife has a problem with that. So my wife does her best to make me look like a human. And uh, she'll lay my clothes out sometimes. And and uh, one time she found a shirt. I was about to go about a three, three or four months ago. I was about to fly to South Carolina uh, to preach, and she found a shirt she wanted me to take with me. So she went and held the shirt and told me to go up there and purchase it. And when I did that, because I didn't want to disappoint her, nor did I want to have problems that night at home, because I believe we ought to live at peace with all mankind as much as possible. So I ran up there to get the shirt, but in my haste, in my expedient nature, I ran up there, and I had left my wallet on my desk at the office. So I asked a young lady who was working behind the counter, what can I do to hold this small shirt until I return? I see you only have one more small shirt left, and that's just my size. How in the world can I hold that until I go get my wallet? And she must have been the first day. She didn't have that much of personality, nor had she gone through customer service training. But I tried to help her through this process. She said, can you leave me a credit card? I said, let me explain to you again. I left my wallet. I said, can I put my name on it? She said, yes. I, she said, what is your name? I said, Paul Day. She said, how do you spell Day? I said, oh, Lord, this is going to be a tough. I said, give me the paper. I'll fill it out myself. So I signed my name on it. She took the, uh, the piece of paper and put it on the shirt. I ran back to the church, grabbed my wallet. I disobeyed laws, getting back up there. When I got there, she was on break. And there was another man who had even less personality and obviously hadn't been through customer service training standing there waiting on me. I said, I have a shirt back there uh, that has my name on it. And he said, what's your name? I said, Paul Day. He said, Day, how do you spell it? No, I'm joking. So he went back there and got the shirt and brought it to me. And he said, it's amazing. Two or three people wanted this shirt in this size. And I said, well, great. I'm glad I put my name on it. He said, yeah, your name is the only thing that saved it. I think Paul is trying to teach you and I that the name of Jesus Christ is on all of us. And the only thing that saves us is that his name is on your life. And whatever might go through your life, never forget that the name of the Savior, his blood, 
was shed for us so that we don't have to have any fear. We don't have to have any frustration. We don't have to worry about the world system. We don't have to worry about who's in office and who's running the world because there is a world beyond this world. The kingdom of God who uh, has everything according to his plan. And if we submit to his will, when it's all said and done, we always win. So never turn around in your despair during, during your trouble because that's only God trying to push you to him. And remember, not only do you have a name on earth, but you have a name in heaven that's covering you, that's above all other names, that at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's pray together right now. Father God, thank you for this opportunity of worship. Thank you for the opportunity to recognize that even the struggles in our lives are ordained and preordained by your spirit to know that we have good days and bad days. We have ups and downs, but we still should lean and depend on you. Thank you for teaching us today how we have been adopted by you, how we've been loved by you and chosen by you. Thank you for teaching us that even some negatives that happen in our lives forced us to see you greater but also let us know that you have placed your name on our lives to seal us, to give us a guarantee towards an inheritance that we'll receive in the life after. We pray that we will not just worship you here, but every day will be worshiped by the way we live our lives. Thank you for being better to us than we would ever know how to be to ourselves. In your son's name we do pray. And all who believe said amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, Paul. What a blessing. Uh, what a word. I, the image especially that will stick with me is that image of adoption. Uh, that loved and chosen is wonderful, but we, we've been adopted and we can't be given up. Praise God for that.